0: For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond. From their important work on mental health, which led to the creation of the Whole Picture programme, and their help for crew being affected by COVID-19. If you, a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry, needs help or someone to talk to, please go to filmtvcharity.com. .org.uk. Let's
1: get started. Hola film family. I'm Isusko, your host, aka The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods Podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline, and the whole team. Wherever you're listening, hope you enjoy. Big love. So, hello, from family. I'm here with a legend. Absolute wonderful man. Um, we're sitting in his kitchen. Beautiful leather sofas. I feel like I'm in a diner. Uh, he goes by many names. My favourites a TC. We've got Crouching Tony Hidden Playback. And also, Tony Minogue, which I'm hoping we will delve into later. So please, for the listeners, put them out with their suspense. What is your name and what do you do, sir?
2: Hello, hello, hello. I'm... Um... <sighs> Tony Crouch, Tony Tony Crouch uh, does go by many names TC and all the others and Nip TC and yeah 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 and Roll Video Tony and all the others that you can count and add on to but um and what do you do sir I am a video playback operator um or that used to be called a video assist and they kind of changed it down the line to become a video playback operator mm-hmm. Which was fine. I mean, back in the day when I first started, um, give us a, give us some timing. So, so the time, what, what's, what's, I, when did you start? I started in the film industry in nineteen ninety nine. Woo, woo! Time last really century, last century. Well, all sorts of going on in the nineties, blimey. Then I started to become. Then I basically came in in the industry as a, as as anyone should do and will do, and is as, as a runner or as a. As what it was called then, rather than an AD, as kind of you might be getting now, but it was definitely a clear you were a runner. Yep. But to be honest with you, you know, as a on set answer, or in house. Oh, well, I started off. I started off. You, you kind of back in those days, you were you kind of had to start off in house mm-hmm. because you you uh, the prep was so much different than what it is today. Because obviously, so much was done in the office prior to the shoot due to the fact that nobody had a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Back in the late 90s and early 90s, they weren't really, they were just coming out. So, you had to go in the office for like a week just to get all the information about the shoot because you just couldn't be told over a mobile and text and ring people. You yeah. had to. There was no and email. there was no email yeah. as well, obviously. Everything was fax and it was all a bit of that. You know, I mean, I'm lucky enough I was after the post days when everything was sent in post, which you still look back today going, how did you do that? Well, I've just posted oh, to prep. you. you need yeah, to that. yeah. So, it was weeks and weeks of prep for like maybe two to three days of commercials, whereas now it's not like that. So, you kind of, as a runner, they went, right, to begin with, you come in, you go in the office and you literally sit down with your PA or production manager and you go through everything. You start with casting, recce photos, you name it. As a runner? You, as you, a runner, yeah. So what that.
1: would that give you? What was the point in that? Well, I
2: think the idea was that you... you the, it was always the idea. Once you were lucky enough to get in that door, the idea was to give you as much information about the shoot as possible on a level where you knew what was happening with each department. Okay, you wouldn't know the intricacies of kit and equipment mm-hmm. and what things did, but you'd find that out on the shoot. But mm-hmm. the idea was you go to the shoot knowing everything about the shoot because people would ask you, like, where are we next or where are we going? Yep. And you go, well, you know, I haven't got that information. Well, you were there to give that kind of information. And then you would as a runner as a kind of as a runner as yeah a I mean like the PA would do a lot of it obviously mm. but, but as a runner you if you'd been in house you were uh, always you know every crew member was always after as much information as possible mm. so you'd just and then you know and as a runner you were always told to go and help them, each department you know go and help the camera department the grips go and do that oh yeah why you finish that can you go and then help the art department and, and you knew because you'd done the prep on the shoot as a runner you knew that we were in three houses and a swimming pool for instance you know yeah. you knew that um, whereas when you're a shoot runner, as in like not the office, and you had done your office time, you would just turn up, and then the 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 runner that had been in the office would give you all the information, and you'd be a little bit more entwined. Whereas you know nowadays some shoots you'd have none of the runners that have been in the production office at right. all. Yeah, they're just shoot runners, and you know, and and at the time, you know, did I get into the film industry to go and work in an office and be in an office environment? I mean, as fun as it was back in Soho in the late nineties and early noughties... You know, it was everything that I kind of wanted it to be, but I didn't actually really want to work in the office. Mm. What I wanted to do was just go and work on set. But it was a stepping stone. Yeah. And did you
1: know what you want? Like, did you get into the film industry to say I wanted to be at X Y Z? Was I, it just the industry as a whole? Yeah, like I mean, like,
2: I just you know I, I got in. You know, I studied film um, and I studied uni? screen at uh, uni, so I got okay. green screen writing. Where'd you Went to university in central Lancashire, which is up in Preston. Yep. And it was quite a big media-based one back then. There was two or three unis that were heavily media-orientated. Hmm. Bournemouth was one, central Lancashire was another, Canterbury had a little bit, and a few others. But Are I you chose... You good degree? Worth it? Not worth it? Well, I think at the time, you know, it, it, it was a kind of a case where production or, or production companies you know they didn't open the door very much to very many people mm. so when they did open the door whether i went to university or not and got amazing like first degree or whatever that didn't really matter i think what they wanted was somebody who decided to get up and do something with their life go and live away from home go and travel go and be you know go and explore life and you know you'd come back with life experience rather than be 17, still living with your parents in some suburb of London and that you want a media job because you think it sounded cool. fancy or yeah. your dad was a director or your mum was a producer or blah, yeah. blah, blah. They just said, oh, look, you know, it doesn't matter that you've got a degree in film because the truth is the, the crew won't care. They want a cup of tea. They want you to go move those boxes. They want you to sweep the street and yeah. they want you to tidy up all the furniture at the end of the day. Now. Yeah. That's not in any seminar that I did, let me tell you that. (laughs) That (laughs) There was no one-month course in moving furniture. But, you know, I remember the very first big commercial I did, I had to sweep this massive underpass in Hackney that was just full of absolute, the dregs of life on the floor. And you were like, okay. But it kind of gave you the work ethic that they wanted. They wanted, you've got to be a different kind of person to be in this industry. You can't just walk in... They want. To, they want to see passion, and you got to love it. If you don't love it, it's going to break you down, and it will. And it, you'll you'll question everything you do. But you know, in the long run you'll get through all that bit of the prep and then you'll be on set and then you'll see the filming process and you'll see all the lights and the cameras and the action and the stunts and the coordination and you'll be like, wow, this is it. This Look at this. This is what I'm doing. Wow. You know, and then the camera guys say, come and help me lay the track over there. We've got to build this shot ready for that. And then the art department will say, right, if you can help us move all these props and we're going to just, you know, we've got to build this sort of, Volcano set in the corner over there, and you'd be like, "Wow, how do they do that?" And you turn, and you think, "That's amazing." Yeah. And then the sound man saying, "Let's lay all these mics around there because we've got to make the sound sound so good." And you think, "Wow, that's really cool." And then they put these massive lights and cranes and all sorts up, and you think, "This, this is it. This is it. This yeah. is this is it." And okay, but you know, in order you for you to get to that bit, the industry wanted you to do the other bit first and love it.
1: Yeah, which. it's a testing ground it kind of like those people that don't really want it they kind of think they want it and and then then all of a sudden it's like they've done
2: 12
1: hour days for 6 weeks and it's like
2: it can be a really rewarding industry Mm. but it only wants to reward the people that really deserve the reward and like all things in life you know, you put the effort in, and you and and, the, and and the stamina and the late nights and rapping on the middle of a farm at midnight and helping the riggers bring back. You know, you do all those bits, but you get to be in the other bits, and then you get this sort of film family kind of type, and then you go, and then you're in, and once you're in, and when well in my day, you know, you you sort of proved yourself, people then go one step further and then they they kind of tell you that they want you on their sets. Nice. They ring you up and say well, I need I need to have Tony Crouch on this set and as a runner first, as a runner. Yeah. Because I know that Tony will help and do and be there. Mm. He's got my back. The first ADs would be like, "Yeah, I, you know, can you call Tony Crouch, make sure he's available, blah blah blah." And I'll like, "Right." And then I'd ring them up and say, "Yep, yeah, I'm available for those days." And, "Okay, yeah. Okay, that's good. I'll do. I'd love to do your job." And you think this is cool. This is it. This is this is what I had to do. You know, mm. you had to do it. And um, so you did a bit of in house. I did. A bit did of, you
1: then become like a, the set runner? Like what was the progression up from? So for me, like?
2: yeah, for me, for in house, I, I I was lucky enough to work in two or three really good production companies. And what I did is I still around today. They're still around. To, yeah, they are still around today uh, in different names and shapes and forms. Mm. But overall, they are. Um, but what I did was I, I went to big production companies where they had a, a full-time in-house runner that was a full-time job
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was... was well, you just hit them up with CVs or make phone calls or got yeah, lucky.
2: It, I mean, obviously, yeah, back in the day, you, you, you know, we had to, you know, we sent your CVs out by post to like 300 companies and you ring up and you say hello and, and, yeah. and then... Hi, I was the dude that
1: sent a CV yeah. last week and I've sent another one this and week. And you sort did of you try and
2: find word of mouth. And then, and then I, I kind of... A little industry hack... I had um, what I did was I got to work in a studios that we all work at quite a lot. And the manager of that studios didn't live too far from where I live. So I'd, sometimes I'd meet him in there. I'm going in there. Sometimes I would go into his office and then in, in his office, he had a massive, massive blackboard, you know, because they didn't have laptops back <laughs> in <like> those days. <laughs> and on the blackboard was like the month ahead of all the production companies that are penciled the stages. Of shoots. Nice. And I go, right. I mean, I've got inside knowledge. I've got inside. Like inside trading. It's inside trading. <laughs> I, I know it sounds silly, so I'd ring up that company and go, oh yeah, how you doing? How you doing? Oh yeah, I'm Tony Crouch. I'm run. I've been working for this. And I just wonder if you've got any shoots coming up. I'd love to come down and help re- meet you. Brilliant. Come and say hello. And they'll go, oh yeah, yeah actually, we've, actually. Got a, we've got a shoot uh, the second week in February at um, uh, 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 Black Island Studios. And I go, Oh, that's great. I mean, live right. Yeah, I'd, I'd love on. to. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're thinking about employing some runners, I'd love to, And you know, maybe come down. If you want to come in the office, like the day before, help you prep it and shoot it. Oh, really? You do? Yeah. And they'd be like, right. So, Brilliant. And I'd meet that production company and that production company. Yeah. And then I'd go, I'd just do a little bit of in-house, mm. like a week before, or two, three days. Then I'd do the shoot. And then I'd move on, I'd do another one and another one. Yeah. I never wanted a full-time job as an in-house runner. Just because... I guess it's a route into produ- production it's a, it's a or production route. Yeah. And, you, you know, if you want to do that, brilliant. Best thing to do. No doubt about that. But it wasn't really for me. And even though I did get offered a really, really good job in a production company, that they were surprised I turned down. I, I didn't turn it down out of arrogance. I just said to the guy, do you know what? it's such a good job that it should go to somebody who really wants to do it. And, and and I just, and it, you know, maybe I'd, you know, who knows where my life would have led if I'd mm. taken that job. But at that particular time, it wasn't right. you got, no, you knew. I just it was knew. Right. I to, you know, yeah. I didn't do all the other bits to get to there to go, oh, I'm going to go and sit in that office and work for that production company, which yeah. would have been great. And the person who got it actually, do you know what? He's an MD of a production company now. And that's exactly what he wanted to do. And yeah. I'm, you know, I'm chuffed at him and, you know, and I, and I wanted to be on set. I didn't care when I got on set. I was the first person on set every day and I was always the last person to leave. And, you know, sometimes production managers say, God, you live so far from Pinewood. Do you want to go home early? I say, no way, man. I'm not going home early. What am I going home early for? I'm not getting any special treatment. It was not that. It was more like, I'm going to miss out. I'm (laughs) going to miss out on the and The fun, you know. So it was was a different time. And, you know, so once I got into that, I then stopped doing in-house because the first ADs from shoots wanted me to do the shoot. And I've done my time on this uh, in the office. It yeah. you was know, somebody else's turn to do that. Yeah. And um, and then from that, and then like anyone at uh, that sort of time, unless you were a specialised skill, i.e., dare I say it, you had an electrical qualification or any other kind of qualification, you then, as a runner, you then begin to scout and scan the departments that mm. you want to move into. And it was a seemed to be, to me, a slightly unwritten rule that Uh, There wasn't a career as a runner. It wasn't a career. Hmm. It was a stepping stone. And you had to stay on it for a certain amount of time. But that also meant you weren't allowed to stay on it forever. Hmm. Apprenticeship. Yeah, because if you weren't moving off it and no one was giving you the chance to jump up, personally, what that meant was the industry didn't think you were much cop. Hmm. You know, they just said, do you know what, maybe let's just... You know they just wouldn't give you the jump, wouldn't mm. let you go into another department mm. and and then, if you'd been there for so long, eventually God he's been running for years. Why is he still running? Mm. you know why hasn't he moved up? Why hasn't he moved into something it was It was never supposed to be for a long period of time um but when I was sort of running running, and I was starting to do a little bit of a d and work, it was at a cusp of time where the big first a d s weren't particularly at retirement age, and mm. the good second ads were in their late twenties and early thirties, and I was still in my early twenties. So oh, there, years ahead. So I just, it was a real sort of humbling like, time. You, did you love AD? I it,
1: did love AD. Did you think it was you know, something that you wanted to do?
2: Well, it was. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I started to run, and you know, people got to know me. I moved into second in and, on commercials, and really enjoyed working with, you know, with with, with um, artists and makeup and wardrobe, and got into all that, and. And I really sort of found my niche in there, you know. I mean, going into first thing, I thought I would have struggled a little bit in the fact that I was sort of quite young looking. Mm. They they seemed to like this, dare I say it, white, middle class, aged, 50-year-old, well-to-do man with a little bit of authority. Mm. And and they couldn't believe that anybody else would do it, you know. And they weren't really yeah. prepared to egg put their eggs in one basket that you couldn't do it because it was such a that system had worked for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah. And you're going to come in and go, well, hang on a minute. I mean, luckily, oi, oi. yeah, hello, man. <laughs> you know, some, you know. There's, there's Tony Crouch from, you know, South London's going to come in and show you how to do it properly. You know, because I yeah, never yeah. liked that. Yeah. So I then realised quickly that the, the chances of me getting to where I wanted to be was going to take some time. And then I thought, right, I'll, I, one of the other areas that I looked at when I first started scanning was it was actually it was video playback. Hmm. The first thing that I noticed was nobody wanted to do that job. <laughs> Why? And I was like, right. So the reason for that is is because it was an individual's job. So he had no team. Yeah. It was a very you hod of one. you were hod of one, which at the point i loved because yeah. i thought i just have to look after me and not 400 crew members <laughs> you know where bearing in mind that was kind of what i was used to and, yeah. and but it was a it was a job that was involved basically so i'll give you a brief history of what video assist is so before we all moved into hd and digital cameras mm. we would only film on proper film cameras 35 mil 16 mil super 16 anyone you like and The technical phrase, the technical aspect of it is that basically the only person who could see what we were filming was the cameraman or the DOP. Hmm. So they invented... Through the eyepiece of the camera. through the the eyepiece down there. He could see everything. She could see everything. No one else could. So they invented a thing called an internal video assist system where they built a small camera that went on the side of the camera that took a... A reflection off the mirror, and it bounced it into a cathode, and it gave you a digital, a rough digital image of what it was. It was quite and very analogy, because that's what it was. It was very, it was very fuzzy, but it was a you could get the frame, you could see the ground glass, you could see what was in it, and it was called video assist. So therefore, everybody, if you plugged into it, you'd get the picture, and people could see what we were filming. And now, the very basic principle of filming is: once you have shot it. It was shot for life. That was it, wasn't it? You filmed it. It was processed. You couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. So you didn't. There's no wanna, there was no, the no rewinding it. There was no looking at it. So yeah. that's why they then created tape-based players to record that image and then play that back. So they didn't a have to waste film. Yeah. B we could rehearse without actually filming, and C it meant that everybody got to see everything before it was actually shot. The DOPs liked it because it gave them an idea and the directors liked it, but also it gave the DOP much more control because you couldn't tell how it was lit, if it was in focus so much and things were going on. It was a guide. It was purely a guide. It was Mm. not like it is today where everything is shown HD to the, you know, give or take, the level. So the DOPs say, yep, it's all lit, it's all sharp, it's all exposing properly, I'm happy, and the director will go, if the DOP's happy, I'm happy, we could film. Then... What I could do is I could rewind the tape, reward you know, play it back. VHS. It VHS. Well, we uh, st- well, we started. What did it start on? Well, it started on a thing called Umatic. Mm. In my time, um, which was a Sony machine that they developed specifically for within our industry mm. because it could hold stuff. It wasn't VHS. Bim film right. industry or commercials and... well film industry, yeah. Really fine. And within the within the within the realms of film and news, everything was recorded onto UMat and it, it within that world of media. Mm. So we took that machine. And we recorded the signal and plugged it in. You know, the British Naval, you know, BNC stands for British Naval Connector. So they, they really? yeah, they made a connection. So we could record it and we would use a cable in order to get that image.
0: Hmm.
2: Now, the, the problem with obviously is like, if you can put your mind to it, it's a tape. <laughs> so you used the press record and you'd obviously only have 60 minutes, an hour and a half maybe at the most on the tape. And then you would run out. So you'd have to start again. So you'd have, you'd have, to have rewind ten- it. Well, if you wanted to go back and find it, you had to rewind it and look for it. Oh, so you would you would do like counter recording. You'd write down time codes and counters and things like oh, yeah. that. You didn't have chapters and clips and things like that. No. But just as I was starting, the industry was just moving into that. It was just about to break into a digital age. So it was almost perfect because I'd, I sort of got my tail end of the UMAP world. So. Hmm all the slightly aged video ops were going, this is what it's like for us. But I was also 22, 23. So I'm like, well, that's cool. But look what's coming out. We're building hard drives and data hard drives that we can take video signals from because the CCTV industry had gone up. You know, mm. technology had increased. And yeah. we were taking that. The police were doing stuff with video that they needed to archive digitally rather than on tape. Mm. So we, we, mer- we merged bits from that industry and we pulled it into the film industry. And then the Americans got involved, and we and they built specific hardware digital recorders, which was like mind blowing for directors. Yeah. Mind blowing. I need to see the take from three days ago in the morning where we shot the wide of the house. Now you'd have to know. they go right. Well, that might be on tape one, two, or three. Let me go and find it. Let me rewind it. I, later. I mean, you, you know, you can yeah. do. You know, whereas you could now go, you could record hours and hours of footage and you could go, right? That's that clip. And you go clip, 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 tap, dink, dink, up, bonk, up, done, play.
1: Easy. And they're
2: like, brilliant. And it's so the time and the efficiency on set got so much better with digital playback. It just made things run quicker and smoother. And everybody got to see everything quickly and you know much more efficiently. And then you became like this little hub of the film industry within the set mm. because everything kind of ran through you yeah. you know art department wanted to see what you were doing director wanted to see what you were doing makeup wanted to check the frame the agency and client need to see what they're doing you can show them show them and you can show them all quickly and it was and it just became a revolution for them and and I sort of just started then and so if you became quite good at your job then you kind of became you had a, a jumpstart on, yeah, I mean, like, on the
1: old boys that were probably like, this will never work. This will yeah, never no. work.
2: You know, you can't, you know, what about this, what about it I mean, obviously, there's always teething issues. Tapes were built to, you could chuck Last them. Yeah, you could chuck five, the thing five, out of no. the window and it wouldn't yeah. break. Obviously, yeah. these are hard drives. These were electronics. So, you know, these were software-based. The and things. We all went through the teething problems of yeah. PCs and laptops and stuff. So it, that was a little bit for them to deal with. But overall, they were just dead chuffed that, that things were going quicker and you know they just they just worked better and we didn't have to lump these massive recorders because if you you know when i started we used to have two cameras you'd have one camera machine another machine for the second camera then you'd have a third machine as an emergency machine because if you were rewinding on take a or take b but you couldn't fast forward back to where you want so you couldn't because re- you couldn't record over what you would shot right. so you'd have to have an emergency machine just to press record so you'd have three and, now, and then you could go well i need an emergency for the emergency <laughs> you can start up, you, know, you build towers of these machines yeah. and, and you know and it was like and obviously the monitors are not these beautiful lcd panel thin lightweight ones they were massive tube tvs what the you ones on locations? you just had to lift you just it. just lump it you had to lump it And this is when, as as a video op, when I became a video op, this is how I sort of used to, one of the things i obviously, as a runner, I used to help the video playback guys lift all their monitors and they used to think, man, this is nuts. And then you used to start to realise when you become a video op, you go, you know, where's the runners? Where's the runners? Where's the runners? When I was a runner, I used to go and help the game. So you sort of, you know, but it was, you know, that was it. And obviously they didn't work in daylight and you had to have problems, you know, you, you know, they were, they were very heavy. You know, I've carried them up mountains, I've put them on boats, I've put them on the... You know, you put them these things in places that you shouldn't put these things, but... (laughs) Not designed to be on a boat. They were never designed, you know. They were designed to sit in a room on a desk or, you know. But we, you know, we'd build them flight cases and boxes and all sorts to make them sort of movable and put stands and brackets and spigot holders and adapters and, you know, you'd ratchet-strap them to all sorts of things. But that's kind of how the system worked. Mm -hmm. And Whereas now you're wireless so they're small and they're lightweight they're handheld you know we're all chilling out right now compared to the way it was for me but then i got the same speech from all the guys when i first died you know you've turned up and it's all moving to digital you didn't do all the bits when it was no. all tape. and i go well actually i did yeah. i didn't do 10 years of it right. but i did do several years of it yeah. you know but i kind of you know and nobody wants to do that nobody wanted to do that job specifically because a you're on your own b they just thought how boring just sitting there recording the footage so what made you want to do it then Well, because the first thing I realized was you were, other than the DP and maybe the first AD, you were the director's next best thing. Hmm. So I go to work every day on a film set and I work with the director Hmm. straight to him. You know, we are talking constantly. He's with me. He stands at my station. Sometimes we go through shots together. We explain film, you know. We explain what he wants to look for. We look for little edits and cuts and movements. We look at wides versus tights. We look at continuity. We look at actions. We look at the way people are behaving. You know, it was. I, I was almost like, "This is great. This is what I wanted to do." Mm-hmm. You're, you're so in the hub you're of integral. it. Integral. Yeah, you're integral. And yeah. then when the director's finished with you, you then maybe another crew member that comes over and says, "Hi, Tony. Can I just look at the and It's Normally, morning? me going, "What time did we yeah, turn over this Tony? morning?" Yeah, <laughs> or the prop man wants to look at the pack and say to me oh god did we have the label facing the right way was everything that I said yeah let's have a look at that so we could go back and then he like, oh. and he'd be like when do you yeah. have time to check Instagram and Facebook then well, there wasn't Instagram there wasn't Instagram and Facebook <laughs> that was the thing you know there was no mobile phones there was nobody you know there was no there was you know people used to talk which is fine a lot of people a lot of crew used to sleep <laughs> but it was you know <laughs> it was, it, it, there wasn't obviously the social media and the, and, the, and the phone situation like there is now but We were. There was much more of an on-set discipline than there is now. In a funny sort of way, Mm. a because film was precious.
0: Yeah, film was expensive.
2: Yeah, you waste that. It was a massive no-no. You know, you can run out of film. You run out of film. You miss the take, and you've lost the action, and it's a one-hit wonder.
0: Mm.
2: I would not want to be the person who caused that. You know, yeah. Especially if you, um, I can remember as an AD as a runner. We were doing Photosonics, which is the old version of high speed, and the mags that were massive and the stock was one thousand, you know, one thousand foot of mag, and it would take roughly about ten seconds for the whole mag to go through. Sound like a jet so, plane. Yeah, engine. it would speed so loud and then you so you'd shout speed and the action would go and if you didn't hit your mark and you know, before you knew it, four hundred foot had gone through this magazine or five hundred mm-hmm. foot of film that's just filming nothing. Right. And then they call cut because they run out and you've missed the action. And that, and that's like hundreds and hundreds of pounds worth of film and processing and time and money and energy in the bin. There's
1: like, no
2: front board in there. No, no, exactly. I can remember like an AD saying to me, is the car ready, Tony, for it to move? Yeah, the car's ready to move, but I think it's a bit dirty. Is it, is it clean or not? Is it clean? Turnover. Is it clean? No, it's dirty. Right, cut. And I'd like why didn't you tell, you know, I can just remember that whole moment that everything had to be...
1: Perfect.
2: So the discipline
1: yeah.
2: had to be spot on. There was no, you know, no mucking around, no talking. There was, everything was quiet. You know, there was a very, very much, there was a protocol of how we worked because mm. we didn't waste film. Nowadays, obviously, it's data and it's just it's hard like drives. It's like turnover, go run. let, something, something. Just, let yeah, it run. Yeah, yeah, it's running for five seconds. Let's just talk about what we're doing. While We're all in the mood, cameras keep the camera running, doesn't really matter, you know. And, and it's he's sitting there going, it's going and going. TIT and going. Is going to be here till two in yeah, the morning. yeah. So, anyway, so did we discuss what how we were going to shoot this <laughs> shot? And you go, uh, Well, yeah, yeah, we've all discussed it. Should we, should we just rediscuss it? And everybody else maybe come, keep the camera running, please, just keep it running. We're nearly there. Thank you very much, thank you. And uh, still running, yes, I know you're still running, thank, you, still very running. thank you very much. It's all right, so. Do you think he wants to come in left or right? Well, he came in left on the wide. So, do you think we should just continue what we did on the wide? It's yeah, let's go right. Turnover. The well, process. we're actually still running. Cause you actually haven't called cut. Yeah. You know, he so we're like two and a half minutes into a, <laughs> into you know a, a, a memory card of like an hour and a half. It's like, but it doesn't matter though, because it's only data. It will just get erased, and uh. and it will just sit on a hard drive on a shelf in an editor's office for the next twenty years. He's not got to go through a process lab and be cleaned and put through a bath. Right. check for exposure check for hairs in the gaze. you know there was so much more to it and I just really as a video op I was just right there for that and I know you know and as a runner I'd all I had to do as a video was pack up my kit in my van and say thanks everybody I'd love to see you I'll see you soon bye bye I'm off Take okay you know and I'd done my time with going right so camera's gone let's go and do sparks have of pads the pads up let's go and do the art thing. direction I mean we were even talking the other day right okay so now the house is clear of all the props should we call the truck driver who's parked down the road, who's got all the stuff that belongs in the house, because we've taken all that out to put ours in? Rather than where now we might do a bit more Rubik's Cube, where we'll move one bit into one room. Mm. So we'd get the, so a truck would come out with a a big low loading truck. Right, it'd be like right two three piece suites, a dining room table, yeah. a sideboard, a TV. Right, that's all got to go in. And it's ten o'clock at night. It's ten o'clock at uh, night. We have got right. three hours of this. Got three hours of that, and then it go. Like, well, where's it all go? Or, you know, we haven't got digital cameras, but we've got Polaroids because everybody had a Polaroid camera. Hmm. And so we go, well, this Polaroid, that's where the sofa is. That's where... Because the owners were not there. They were always put in hotels and like that for the night. Right. So me and the other runners and the locations would then, and, and prop men, you know, in our department, would sit there, reinstate the home. And then at midnight or whatever it was, be like, right, thanks for today drive home see you tomorrow morning at 5.30 oh by the way can you just charge all the radios oh and now it's finished you've got the, all the film stock so one of you go to Soho. has got to go to Soho and drop it off at the bath the, at the Soho lab and I'm ready for that for tomorrow and then you can drive home and mm-hmm. it was like okay okay cool I get two hours sleep I get two hours sleep but there's not enough time by the time I get home for the actual radios to charge (laughs) there's physically not enough hours (laughs) and it's like I don't care make it happen or you're fired and it was like that and it was like okay well they just have to we'll charge a solar
1: generator
2: in your car so as you're driving yeah yeah you know you're like right just get everything in and I used to come down in my lounge and it'd be like oh, God! There's seventeen boxes of radios <laughs> to pack up. <laughs> so, but, you know, you did it, and then you got there, and you know, then right, get in, have a bit of breakfast, set up the tea and table, you know, tea table, get that over the location quick mm. because there's people waiting, and and you, you just did that. It was just the way that it was, and it and it separated the people who wanted to do it versus the people that thought they wanted to do mm. it. So, what advice,
1: like for the, that next generation coming up, what's the advice to them?
2: Well, I just think that. I just think, you know, I, I don't I want them to come in to the industry knowing that they need to be tested, they need to see that it's not glamorous. It can be great, of course it can be, this is why we all do it. But it is hard work, it's rewarding. But I want you or he or she to come in and just go, right, this you gotta give it everything you have got, you've got to give it all your heart, you've got to put your soul into it, you know, you, you wanna fall in love with the industry and the people. And you, and you want to know that you've got to get up early on three hours sleep, four hours sleep, and you've got to go in there and be Mr. Happy-go-lucky and go, look, do you know what? It is tough and it is rubbish, but it's fun. And it's, you know, this is the film industry. This is kind of what it is. It's like, I just want you to know that you, you, you've you got to work to get it and you, and you should do because you will be appreciated later. Unless you've got some unimaginable skill where you can walk in as some sort of engineer or technical wizard. Then you you can have the right to do whatever you like. But if you if you're going to come into the industry and try and learn it, then I just think you should be prepared that you're going to miss nights out. You're going to miss your mates. You're going to get up. You're going to turn up, and it's going to be raining outside. You're going to be in a car park eating a fairly lukewarm breakfast, and then you're going to get onto set. But once you get going, you'll be you know you'll be all right. But it's mm. just. It will separate them. The sort. It will just make sure that you want to do it because if you don't really want to do it, you won't last five minutes. Mm. Because and that's cool. But that's cool and then too. You've it. Then you know that's kind of what you need to do, and 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 I and I believe in that. But I do want you to just to know that it's going to be really really hard work.
1: Yeah. Just closing the door. Thank sure. you very much.
2: Yeah, no, I well, just lovely cup of tea. Beautiful, you that. been nice. Years of being a runner, you know. <laughs> you know. Well, there was always the trick. There was two tricks as a runner. You used to, you know, you used to make. We used to call it the four o'clock tea. You know, you know. It, it, but if you wanted, if you wanted a big pick me up or a, a morale boost, four o'clock, without a doubt, take round a, ta- a tray of teas and coffees yeah. to sparks electricians. Crew members because they've had their lunch, they're on their little slump, and they're like, "Oh, do you know what I could have done with a cup of tea?" Yeah, and and then you bring it to them, they be like, "This is it. Angel, ah. Angel, you're the best thing." Oh, Tony, totally thanks. Get him on every job. Get him, yeah. And I had directors like Sue Worthy who I you know got to work for quite a lot with. She, you know, I just knew when she wanted tea or coffee, a coffee mainly because she was a coffee fanatic, and I just and all I would do every now and then when she wasn't working, or when she wasn't thinking, or she was deep in thought, or she was stuck, I just used to just dip up and just bring her a little black coffee, not too tall, not too short, just nice, and she, and and you know what, it made her day, and if that makes her day, it'll make her producer's day, if it makes her producer's day, it'll make her production manager's day, and then the production manager will make her day by you having on the set, And and that was the kind of way it was, and it was the little things like that, I mean we can all lift and move and shake and do all that, but I think... If you knew the crew and you that's knew... Really, what that's, but that's
1: being really attentive. Yeah. I think who that's you're what you're working for.
2: But I think that's what you've got to be because, let's face it, you're going to spend more time with these people than your own family sometimes. Yeah. So one. you need to know what they like and what mm. they don't like. You know, you need to remember the names of their things and things like that. Oh, I know, you know, it can't... I mean, obviously, you can't really remember 400 crew's versions of tea and coffees so and how many sugars they no. take. But you can remember a few things about some of the people that are maybe up the... Top end of the call sheets, so that was yeah, say, yeah. But, um, you know, that, yeah, well, they're going to employ you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, it is. You know, you know, it's all right for, and, and, and obviously, in each individual part, department, the sparks will know that the gaffer takes two, two sugars in his tea. Yeah. You know, the, the key grip or, you know, the second grip will know that the key grip doesn't drink coffee, he just drinks milky tea because that's what he likes. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll know all that. Green tea now. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah we, we, we were lucky. It was, it was tea, tea or tea. There was, there was no coloured versions or, or peppermint versions or even camomile versions. Yeah. It was, there's a tea urn and there's a coffee urn. And it's Nescafe and it's PG tips. Basically, that was That's it. it. That's really your it. Lot. Yeah, I mean, when Starbucks entered this industry all those years ago... I mean, people went wild. I mean, they just didn't know what hit them. Oh my! By the
1: time we come back, <laughs> yeah. they're freezing cold. Well, no, they're used to. Yeah, I mean, well,
2: no, you know, I mean, there was there was there was there was life hacks with that as well, my friends. We had the microwave. Had to, no, we didn't have microwaves, <laughs> so we we used to go to the coffee shop yeah. and order coffees. And as a runner, I would bring in a duvet, and your coffee right? duvet. And the, the the coffees would go on the floor under the footwell. Yeah, put the clever. heaters on. On the footwell only, really, really hot, like I mean, boiling <laughs> hot. And then just put a duvet slightly over the top of it, right? And then the coffees would stay warm That's because brilliant. yeah. And then That's a live get...
1: hack for now. <laughs> so right.
2: when you when you turn up on set, and they go, "Oh, it's bound to be cold. I don't want it." God, it's boiling. <laughs> and, you're, and you're sitting there with your feet burnt <laughs> <laughs> to but, but you know, there was a, it was like little things like that. You, you know, you, you did. I mean, so yeah. I mean, that was for me, and and that was what it was when I was there. Oh, yeah. And then now I'm a video op and you know and I made my decision and it was you know, looking back, it was the best decision I made. I had offers to do sign sort of other kind of roles in the in the industry. Mm-hmm. I went into I went into the loading department, I was gonna be a loader because I also wanted to so be a camera, focus, a camera team. So camera team, wanted yep. to be a focus puller. I don't necessarily think I wanted to be a DP or a cameraman. I just I just loved the camera and I realized that I'd left AD and I moved into camera. But there was a massive influx of people. The industry just as I was getting going, started to slightly open its doors a little bit in the, in, the, in the way that lots of people wanted it to do because it was such a closed shop. You had to jump through so many hoops and, mm. and I think that that went down with so many people. But the more people that got interested, especially, dare I say it, once they started putting making ofs on DVDs, People used to say, oh, look, you know, I don't think anyone could fathom how a film was made. Mm. How did you make a film? Well, I have no idea. But you look on a DVD, God, look at that set. Mm. Look, there's jobs, there's all those people. Look at that. It's like well, a great time we film
1: in someone's house, they go, yeah, I can't. Like, I didn't think that you'd have Just 60 s- people yeah. and 12 massive lorries. And you're yeah. like,
2: yeah. Oh, How'd do, how do you, how you get into that then? Oh, I'm going to have a little girl trying to get into that. And, and then they come knocking on the door. They'll go, no, or yes, or no, mainly no. But then you double that number and then you quadruple that number, then you times that by a thousand, it was a surge of people. Hmm. And only a certain amount would say no. And then eventually, like, like anything that's got a wave, it will push through that barrier and it pushed through. And then doors opened. Lucky enough, we had uh, the roles of certain people that were maybe slightly aimed towards certain sexes. That changed, hmm. which was great, you know. You know, that allowed... You know, members of the title cameraman. Yeah. Oh, it was cameraman, 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 and yeah. then it was you know, and then all this you know what was really great. They started to get females in the camera department as loaders because the I know it was really sexist at the time because it was such a shame. But you know, women could lift things up, but the kit was so heavy, the boxes were so heavy. They just used to say, "Oh, I'd rather have a bloke because he can move quicker, he can pick up." You know, heads and legs and, and boxy. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? It, it, it slightly changed. Things got smaller. Equipment got better. Things got lighter. Yeah. More aerodynamic. So women could do it. You yeah, know, I mean. Women were just as good as loading film as men were. And do you know what? It was a welcome relief. And I think even some of the cameramen wanted to have... It didn't be so male and testosterone and blokey. Yeah. And yeah. um, production, which was predominantly female, then started to get... Male producers and male production managers and male PA. so that became quite nice. That it was males on one side, uh, as within the within the heavily sort of female laden world, mm. and obviously, makeup and hair was technically normally a lot of those was female, but that became you know, we had males entering in that way, especially in wardrobe and costume designers. It was okay mm. for men to like fashion, which was great, and you know, we had that, and then obviously, we had female runners. So... They were doing just about the same work as the male runners. Yeah. Um and it was great for that. And then we got female second ADs and now we've got female good really good female first ADs and we've got now got really good female directors, um, which is great as well, because we never really had, you know, it was always a, it was very male laden. It was a male laden industry when mm. I first started. Because it had been for 30, 40 years before, yeah. you know, it was no... Generations. Just generations, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Women were at home raising children, unfortunately, mm. you know, then all of a sudden women thought, well, do you know what, I might not want to raise children, I might <laughs> want a career, yeah. I might want to be in the film industry, and so, do you know what, I'm going to go and do that, <laughs> and then they did, and then they pushed, and they pushed, and obviously sometimes today they're still pushing, but it's, it's great, I mean, it's a lot better than it was, let me tell you. I mean, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. And then, so, when, so, these runners that are coming in, most most people are going to be like, I want to be a director, I want to be a chooser I want to be a dop. What like for you in your role? What is it that a good director does? What is it that a good DP does?
2: I mean, for for me, I mean, you know, in a commercial based shoot, which is obviously back in the day, before we went sort of content laden, you had uh, you had thirty seconds, forty seconds, and sixty seconds. That was your rough timings within an ad break, maybe some 20s. You have to be really concise with your action and to get all your shots together to make 30 seconds and tell your story and show what you're trying to sell and trying to promote a brand or a feeling or an emotion. Mm. And you need to walk away after that 30 seconds seeing exactly what the creative at the original point when he put it on paper Aim for you to do. So for me, a director, although he'll have or she'll have their own ideas of what that is, I like it when they know what they want. Because if they know what they want, and they're good at what they know, it will cascade. So that means it will fall into all the other departments. We'll get there. We will get there. The art director knows exactly what the director wants. I want a blue and white kitchen. I don't want a blue and pink I don't want a grey and blue. I want a blue and white one, and that's what I want. Make it happen. Yeah. Brilliant. I can make you the best blue and white kitchen you've ever seen. It's
0: going to be and amazing. it's
2: just simple, isn't it? And, yeah. and so they would do that, and then they go right. I want a wide shot of it all, and then I want to cut around that. But I know, you know, we're not going to see everything in the wide. And sorry, we are going to see everything in the wide, but all the main action will be close up. So let's just do the first little bit in the wide. We don't need to run the whole sequence because the thirty seconds isn't just the wide action. It's the tights and the close, and the mediums. Let's spend more time on that and get the proper performances there. we we'll just do a couple of goes of the wide. We'll run through it so we all know where we've got to be. Because I'm never going to see that bit. And All the middle action is never going to be in the wide. So they have fun. their edit in their head? They've got their edit in their head. And, you know, and some of them used to edit with photos. Some used to edit in their head and they know it. And then all of a sudden there was a... You know, they all sort of say, well, what if we did that? What if we did that? You know, variation, variation. Which is sometimes you kind of maybe have to give certain variations on products because we don't know. And I get that. But I just... I think a good director knows what they want. They've, You know, nine times out of ten, their instinct is always right. They're a director. They've already thought about subconsciously all the different things. Mm. In their head from A to B, where they want to be at B, they've just got to get there. And they don't need to dilly-dally off different paths to get to the same bit and then go, we're never going to use that, but let's film it anyway. We're never going to use that. It's never going to make the edit. And you think, well, you know, we're here 16 hours later because... You don't know what you want. You don't know what you want or you're dilly-dallying around what you want, you know, and deep down you know what you want, but you're just a bit maybe slightly anxious or not confident enough what it is. But I think directors, most good directors, know what exactly you want. Now... Same as a DP? Similar as a DP, but, I mean, obviously, as a director, it's it's easy to say that, me, because I, you know, work with loads of them, and obviously to get exactly what you want, sometimes costs money so you have to go within budget reasons and there's probably a mountain of other reasons why they can't get exactly what they want but mm. a DP I'm sure a DP who is very photographic based and is looking at the image and, the, and all, all the things that are structured around framing and they'll have their own idea how to bring it all together obviously they'll work with the director to try and to get the action correct and the look correct and obviously they'll put in their opinion of how they think it should look Obviously, they will monitor if the sun came up on the left of frame. It's always got to be, you know, we haven't been there all day and it's now on the right of frame. Mm. You know, they'll they'll do all the technical aspects. And I'm sure that they'll want some things to be in contrast and shadows just to give it a feel. Because if it was all very dull and flat lit, it would just look very bland. Boring. Boring, yeah. Oh. And nobody will. I mean, especially now, because obviously everybody's got iPhones and phones and phones and phones and can see how everything's looking. But And obviously, as a DP, when I was shooting on film you had to just trust him because he's got light meters and exposures and he's looking at it and saying, I know where all the shadows will be and where the film will expose and how it will look really beautiful. And then they'll put it through the grade and telecine and all that malarkey and they'll make it better. But overall, to begin with, you had to light and get it exposed correctly first and then do some tweaks. Whereas now you can go the latitude, you can go way up and way down. You know, You shoot middle of the range, it's a bit more... They've got a bit more freedom. They've got more freedom imposed to be able to yeah, get where you got, want. They've got a bit more latitude. They've just got, they've got a bit more forgiveness. You know, mm. if they get something slightly wrong or if, don't worry, we'll sort that out. Mm. We didn't have that back in the day. That's why we took our time. You know, we would do two, three days on one commercial because we had to make sure we got it right on the day. Mm. And that was great, you know, because... Because they'd no, fix it in post. they fix it, yeah. No, well, there was a little bit of fixing. There certainly wasn't the technology that they can do now to fix things in post. No. we painting and reframing and cropping and doing all that and rotating people out and putting them in different backgrounds. We had... It's not... It was never that good, you know. It was good, but it wasn't as good as it is now because mm. technology's changed. No. But, yeah, no, that was, um, you know, for me, that's what makes a good director and a good DP. And I think... I, I always remember one director I liked... You know, he knew that he would get the best out of his crew if he spoke to them, was more human and come up to them and thank them, because he knew that the idea of 20 years ago when people would work in fear of the director and they would work, he realized that people worked better when actually they wanted to do it for them. Mm rather than the fear. Because the fear you could do a certain amount because you would worry about losing your job or looking really bad. But I think people still have the pride in their work to do it. But I think you'll find a crew member will go the extra 10% for a director that is nice and friendly and warming to you and like grateful and all the other things. We all know he's got a job to do and he's, got, he's at the high end of the call sheet and he's got all the stresses of that and we're here to work for them. But I think you'd get so much more out of a crew member than the fear, the fear factor thing, which have is now pretty much it's been eradicated. It's been eradicated almost, entirely. which is great because yeah. it kind of you know you turn up and you go don't make him shout, don't make him shout if he shouts and goes nuts, we're never you know you're just gonna you might not you you know blah blah blah. got, you know I've seen directors sack art department halfway through the shoot. I just want you and all your department to go. We're going to replace you by the end of the day, and tomorrow there'll be a new crew in. And I've seen that, I've seen that countless times because they just you know it was. It was, a, it was a ridiculous way to work. Hmm. And the clients wouldn't, you know, the director's way was my way or the highway. This is what you've got me in for. This is my project. This is my commercial. And then the clients start to go, well, hang on a minute. Well, it's actually my commercial because it's our product and we're paying for it. And so could maybe you do a few things for us? And no, this is this is what you've bought. This is what you've signed for. Yeah. This is it. And it's my my way. Whereas then they went, all right, then I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're not going to employ you again. <laughs> And we'll you'll, be sacked you'll be with
1: sacked with the art, of art that you've we, just sacked, we will go very to very other
2: well. directors and then you know then it became more directors and more directors and so some directors would do things that other directors wouldn't do so they would get the job and obviously there's a lot more complications in that whole world of that but it's yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it certainly changed what a director was yeah and I think maybe for the better but, um, but you know but they had it all their own way for a long time and enjoyed it and rinsed it and made a lot of money and And then unfortunately everybody wanted to become a director. And Mm. so that floodgate opened again and they all came bashing in saying, Oh, I can direct, I wanna direct, I wanna direct. Okay, well there's this project, oh I don't wanna do that. And then but then there's all be somebody who will always want to do it, well I'll do it. We haven't got much money, I I don't care, I just wanna direct, you know. And they go fine and they'll do it. And then and unfortunately that slightly escalated in ways that we didn't really foresee. I mean it got better, but I think then it became quite difficult because there was always somebody that wanted to do it. And then the clients started sort of lowering the money and agencies started lowering the money and then it became a little bit... And then the creativity lowered because they couldn't afford to do the things they wanted to do that were big and bold and brass and, you know, amazing. So they had to come up with better ideas that, you know, like one producer said to me no one can come up with a one day idea a, a shoot you can do in a in a day I don't mean in a 24 hour day mm. I mean in a 12 hour day that's mm. a really good idea mm. it's very rare to find that you can do you know two days of a good idea three days of a really good idea but it was they, they struggled and then but there's always somebody who said yeah I'll, I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it and I'll promise you that and I'll promise you that and then they go right and then the crew come in and work to their bones to make it happen yeah. but
1: Well, no. So, so yeah. Go on. So then, so now I kind of want to kind of get some advice for your younger self. Where are you now? Now, where you are, is there a time in your life that you kind of go, "I wish I could have
2: told myself that." Yeah, i I think, I think I, I would have. I think I probably would have told myself, "Be prepared for your personal sacrifices and the sacrifices of the people that are around you." i.e. your wife, or your children, or your best mates, or your parents, you know, to say, you're, you personally do make the sacrifice because you give so much of your time to the industry. And also, you know, there was the thing for me is that I didn't really feel like it was work, you know, it's, I didn't feel like I, I could get up and go to work tomorrow. I was like, I gotta get up and go to a film set tomorrow, woohoo! And I'm off. Yeah, I'll see yeah. you there in the morning. You know, so to me, it was fun. It was like I was going out for the day. You yeah. know, it wasn't really like all the other mates going. Oh, I've got to get up and go in the train. I've got to get on the tube. I've got to go and do that. I'm bored. I hate this. I've got to be. On... I've had a really late day. I finished at five thirty. <laughs> I was like, you know, well, that's lucky. So like you have no idea. Yeah, you've had. you got no idea. <laughs> uh, but I think what it ended is that all your mates were like, "Oh, you're gonna come out tonight. You're gonna to come out tonight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When are we filming? I'll oh, film on Friday. Okay." And then you go, oh, and I'm not going to make it because we're still going to be here till 11 tonight. Yeah. Okay. And obviously you can say that 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. And then eventually they'll That's just stop that That's cool. <laughs> they'll go, he's not, he's not working. He's working. It's not bring him. He's not about, oh, he's probably shooting. And then it's like, well, let's just not bother. You know, yeah. so that, that was, I would say to myself is that finding that work-life balance is really, really difficult. And I would just go back to my my younger self and say, just be prepared for that. Hmm. You know, lucky enough, I'd met my wife before I got into this industry. So she saw me... She met me before I got in it, so therefore she saw me go through it. Mm. I didn't just turn up and go, Oh, by the way, I'll see you next Friday for a date night and then not turn up. And I'll see you next Thursday for date night. (laughs) Oh, I can't make that one. I'll see you next Friday. I can't make that one. I'm really sorry. And um, well, you're you're gone. You're you're no good to me because you're never there. Whereas, you know, I said to my wife, You know, I really want to, you know, my girlfriend at that time, that I really want to get in the film industry, but it's going to be tough and this and that and mm. you know and there was times when oh, I want to go out this weekend with all our mates but I'm, miss go- I'm, go- I'm going yeah. on my own prepared mm. to, be- prepare to miss things just prepared to miss things and be prepared to sacrifice it, and, and and I know it's we're not brain surgeons and doctors and all the rest of it which do do amazing things they have the same thing they have the same thing they have to sacrifice everything for their job you know mm. you want to go That you want to do that yeah I'd love to do that I'd love to do that but I'm, I might be shooting that week and if I am I'm I'm just not going to make it, you know, or I've bought how many, I've lost count of how many music gig tickets I've bought and just never made the gig, yeah. you know, and the mates of Remy said, this has been a great gig, you know, sorry, but you know, well, I'm still on the front lawn of number 10, <laughs> pin a <of> high street, <laughs> filming the exterior, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's, but you, you, you make your sacrifices, but just, just be prepared for that hmm. and just pre-warn that that's what it's like and it's not a personal thing, you know, but if it's your dream to work in this industry, you know it's like sportsmen, sportsmen, you know, film, music, TV, fashion, sports. That world, you give up stuff that other people don't have to give up. Now you need to either get on with that, or you need to go look for something else. Do something else. Yeah, and then Tony Minogue What's the story? So the story of Tony Monade. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> the Tony Minogue story. She's still makes me giggle to myself this day <laughs> um so when i was a runner uh i worked with a very very good first ad called tony fernandez who's still a very very good first ad and he had a second ad that was called tony and then there was me who was called tony so we were like the three Tonys. <laughs> sounds like a band it already was almost like a band like there's three stooges and it was <laughs> like so and we were doing a we were lucky enough to work with a director called Johan Rink. And we did a music video for Kylie Minogue and he'd done several of others. And basically, at that particular point, when I was sort of AD and running, I was on the cusp of moving up. So Tony was using me, Tony number one, was using me for sort of quite big jobs where maybe there was dancers that needed looking after and getting through hair and makeup and costume and ready, And then there was an artist. Mm. And when we turned up, uh, Tony the first wanted me to actually look after Kylie Minogue and her very, very small crew of people, which were lovely. And Tony the second would look after the 25 dancers and get them all through and get them all in because that was quite a number to do mm. with the amount of hours we had. And so he was on that, I was on Kylie, so to speak. Anyway, so my job was on that day once Kylie was underway and, and in makeup and wardrobe, I just left them to it. We knew the amount of time that she needed which was fine. I went back to the set and then I would say to Tony, I'm right, I'm here to help you. I'll just work with you. You know, I'll be on set to help you move stuff around, keep things going, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we had other runners. So this particular music video was a video where Kylie was on a turntable and a big, big turntable. And she was doing moves choreographed with lighting rigs and camera moves. So lights would hit her when she hit certain spaces on the, on the turntable cameras would be in certain places when she hit certain other places in terms of... So it was quite a choreographed dance move in terms of everything hitting things at the same time. And so we got a couple of the runners to pretend to be Kylie Minogue to walk down these steps and hit their marks and so we could time the walk so a light would pan on or tilt on and hit her when she needed to in a certain part of the song, which was pretty much the premise of the video, give or take. Now... As, as this guy was looking opposite me, <laughs> he knows that I'm five foot three on a good day. <laughs> and in this, high hills In though. high heels, yeah. <laughs> so this runner that we had was like six foot one. <laughs> Something like that. You know, everyone's six foot one to me anyway. <laughs> Basically, the DOP, which is a really lovely guy, and he just said to Tony, he said, look, I'm really sorry, Tony, this is, this is just not working. I'm putting these lights on fixed positions and they're, going to go straight over her head you know they're never going to hit her because the guy that we're using for the standing and we didn't have a standing he's too tall way too tall we need somebody who's roughly the same height <laughs> oh there yeah, it's all coming back so I was like right okay so Tony when I was here Tony could you mind just being Kylie Minogue for five minutes just walk down the stairs hit that mark and we can do it several times at different paces. We can get the light. And then after that, we'll do a few others. We've got sort of a few hours until everybody's going to be ready. Yeah. And then we can record it and we can play it back and we can rehearse it with the song. We just kind of get a feel. And, you know, I sit sitting there thinking, what? <laughs> hours tops. <laughs> Easy. I'll do it right, Okay. So, you know, to begin with, I'll just walk down. Yeah. Okay. Begin walk down again. Right. We need the music on. We need the music on because it's, we need to get it to the timing of the music. So let's play the music. <laughs> Right, we need to get that. So Tony, can you just learn the first line of the music <laughs> and sing where you would get to on that point on the chorus? Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. And then the choreographer saying, "Well, is she gonna walk to that bit? I mean, I think she's gonna dance like this first and do this dance move and then do that." So, <laughs> do you think we could just ask Tony just to quickly do a rough idea of what the dance was? And I go,
1: "Okay." Build it up.
2: So, okay. Right. I do the dance move. Right, okay. So can you just do that and do that? Right. So in the end, by like after two hours, I'd learned half the song. <laughs> And the majority of the dance routine (laughs) with the choreographer. Because this turntable moved on a a computer that had to be timed with the camera and the lights with time code. It was really, really specific that this move was mapped out before Kylie turned up. Then what we could do is we could run the move with Kylie. She could have a couple of rehearsals and then we would film it on film because it wasn't digital. Mm. Cut to, right. (laughs) let's do the first bit that's the first action and let's do the second bit let's do the third bit and and by the time Kylie was sort of ready I'd sort of lost my role of looking after Kylie by now (laughs) so that would be sort of handed over to Tony number two a little bit and some of the others because she was just great and she was fine and happy that I'd learned the whole dance routine (laughs) give or take and had to get the scene so and then like the focus puller we be like Tony you definitely going to make sure you hit that mark because I've got to m- rack the focus so quick so don't come too far forward and you know can, can can you give me four goes at it so I'm really good at it because you know some films kind of yeah. you no know, the director wants it all perfect you know we need to make sure it's good we've got two days to do this it's going to be full on so they bring down Maloga, and She was sitting there watching me be her going down these stairs. Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. So I kind it's a, it was a it was a it's a, it's definitely a do or die situation. Yes. It's, it, there was you no have to this, go for it. it. Thank you. It was yeah. that, and I sat there at the top of the stairs thinking, right, sixty crew. <laughs> there's one of the biggest commercial film music video directors on the planet oh, there's my idol Tony <laughs> Fernandez right there's half the crew that I know We're in Shepperton Studios <laughs> I've got to be kind. I've got to give it everything I've done so I just literally went totally. for it I went for I went <laughs> hell bent for leather because I thought the thought was I either, I either look really stupid doing a half job yeah or I look really stupid doing a brilliant job and I tell you what Johan it, it totally changed the vibe of the shoot for him because it was a lot of pressure. Obviously, it was Kylie Minogue, you know, she was in the height of a, of, a, of a relaunch of her career. And it was really everything that they wanted it to be. And I came in as this 25 year old, five foot three on a good day, you know, <laughs> Doing this full-on dance routine. I'm not a dancer. I was never <laughs> a dancer. But I just sort of had to sort of throw these moves. The choreographer's going, Tony, you're doing brilliant. No, Tony, arm up a little bit. Arm down. No, that's it, Tony. You've got it. You've got it. Right, go again, Tony. Up the stairs. Back down again. And in the end, for two days, I was Tony Minogue. I literally <laughs> did the whole music video front to back. In the end, it was easier. Get you in a wardrobe and just shoot it. <laughs> well, it was easier to rehearse with me than it was with Kylie because she wouldn't mind any costume changes or checks right. and things like that yeah, so yeah. Tony we're going to do the bit where you walk around left right left right and do that part of the chorus and I go right okay <laughs> so I'm up I would get are you ready yeah I'm ready right bips you know mm-hmm. do 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 it, roll playback, B, and then, uh, Tony, go, to <laughs> so I was in there, and and, and some of the dancers would come on the stage with me because they would want to know where Kylie was yeah. on the, du- the turntable, so Tony, we're going to put the backing dancers next to <laughs> okay, you, are you kidding me? Here okay, go. here we go, and so Kylie was having the love, and it made everybody just relax, and I'm, I, I mean, obviously people were winding me up, giving me, Massive amounts of it but it was just the beauty beauty of it was was that and okay, I could have I could have sulked and died and crashed and you know, don't get me wrong, once I got in the car at the end of day one, I had five minutes where I just had to breathe. (laughs) And then, and I thought I've got, a knowing that the next day I was coming back to do the same thing, <laughs> so turn up in the morning, get Kylie ready, right? Tony, we're gonna rehearse again, okay? There okay, we go, there, here Can, we can go. I the shoes? shoes. Yeah, keep that on. So you ready? Yeah, we're gonna do that bit. So you know what we did yesterday? We didn't quite get it, Tony. So we're gonna stop, we're gonna change the choreography a bit because we need to get the lighting exactly right. So we would then do it with me, then Kylie would watch the playback. That's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> and 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 on top of that, I forget the main thing. And it's on a shelf somewhere in Channel 4. Channel 4 were making a documentary about Kylie Minogue. So on the second day, they turned up to film behind the art, scene. The heart Behind oh, the, scenes. I, so, of the I didn't know scene. This. So it is. It is somewhere, and it was on a Channel 4 documentary. And <laughs> I'm going to YouTube I t- that. I, 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 I've got to try and, it. I'm and, and have uh, to uh, find you I'm going to and that. And then anyway, so I was just, I would just do it. And, and do you know what? At the end of the shoot, I mean, you know, not that it's a matter. you know, Kylie. Just sort of came up to me, and we, and obviously, I'd been working with her for two days, as well as doing my job, as well as being her standing mm. in the ironic sort of way. You know, she was really grateful. She gave me a big hug. I mean, and there, there I go. I was like, wow, there's me getting a hug from Kylie Minogue. I mean, wow, wow. thank you very much. You know, we had a chat, and she had some things made for her for the shoot that which, which were just specifically for her props that were made, and then she gave me those things. She said, oh, she, this is, uh, you know, I'm I can't, sure. I can't really give you anything else, but. I can just tell you that you've made my day and here is these things that have been made for me that they're, they're for you. And you can have them treasure and I've got them, you know, they're upstairs, they're locked away. Yeah. And and we just had a great day. And then obviously as time went on, Turning that, the last. Well, I turn up on, my, on the call sheet. You wouldn't say Tony Crouch; it would say Tony Minogue, and uh, the people would walk down the, you know, in the set going, "Oh, hi, Tony Minogue," and I'd be like, "What?" And uh, the word had spread, and I was oh, like, "You yeah. weren't even on the shoot, okay?" No, but we heard all about it, and you know, and as and as time went on, and it was and it was a time as a runner, and I, you know, and I think it just it really cemented to me that that's that was that's worth all the hard work. You know, mm-hmm. it was stupidly you hard. Know? I mean, don't get me wrong; I was embarrassed as hell, but. At that particular point, this is what I mean about it. You either you either go hell-bent for leather and mm. go for it, or you get left behind. And if I'd have said, no, I'm not doing that, I'm fairly the certain... Shoe
1: could have, it could well, have, the, the shoe would have wouldn't,
2: been wouldn't, different. Yeah. I'm fairly certain that maybe Tony Fernandez would have said, right, oh, Yeah, the producer might have said, well, okay, I might not have worked for that particular yeah, company yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you kind of... The industry was not a no industry. Mm. It was a yes industry. Can yeah. you do that? Yes. Do you want to do that? Yes. You have to do that. Yes. Do you really want to do it? Yes. yes. It was yes. Do you think we can make that happen? Yes. You know, It was like that. And it, and you kind of also meant that you had to raise your game a little bit, which was great. You kind of had to get yourself out of your shell. That's why, why you did the job. If you want to go and sit at a desk and type out accounts for xyz company go and do that True. if you want to go and be kind of an outstanding or the potential to become come join us Come join us yeah exactly <laughs> you know i mean i'm not saying that's that role's already taken I mean, obviously yeah. you're gonna have to fight before it <laughs> <laughs> but you see you know there was other people that worked in different places you know and it was it was good you know it was it was what it was and you know it did it you know it was a time you know when i was 24 25 and what what a time to be alive at twenty five, you know, you know, all your mates moaning that they do this, they do that, and you're like, well, I today, guess what I did, I you know, had
1: fifteen backing dancers 15 walking backing down a thing, thing on the kind floor, of like, you know, yeah.
2: you know, and 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 those those made it for me, you know, yeah. and that and and then obviously I then decided to to sort of you know I, I was submitted in the industry and then I made my move and left AD and and running and and went into video playback and. Obviously now I get to record other people doing a sort of similar thing, and and you know I've seen some great stuff. I've been in some great places, and I've worked in some really tough locations, and I've been taken out of my comfort zone loads. But I've also done jobs where it's like just sat there, and and I you know it's such a mixed bag. No day is the same. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. It was great, you know. No day is ever the same, and you just work with different people all the time, and, and even the same people on different jobs are different jobs. You know, you just go, oh, you know, we've done so many together, but each one has its pluses and its minuses but for me definitely the you yeah, know the kind of thing was was yeah. You know, I'm sure the other runners were like I'm so glad that wasn't <laughs> you know but yeah,
1: thanks Tony thank, yeah, one thanks for, the team.
2: for taking one for the team but then they're like well, look at all the attention he's getting and look at all the Man. jobs he's getting from there look at all the things he's getting out from nice. yeah, there yeah I mean it, it was very much if the if door opened in our industry you went through it mm. you know whether that be to go and work for you know, RSA and, and, and Godmans and, and, you know, Radical Medias and all the big inspectors, all the big production companies and Joy Films and things like that. And, you know, that door opened, you, you and Wayland's, you went there. You just said, yeah, I'll do whatever you want to do because you wanted to be, you wanted to be up there with the big boys. You want That's, that's, where, that's where the fun was, you know. And that kind of shows the kind of crew member you wanted to be. Did you want to go and sit in studios doing food pack shots? Day in day out, yeah. Okay, you could do that, and they're lovely, and the people are nice. Or do you want to go and race cars around Silverstone and and film up mountains and and see how stunts are done and yeah. watch all that? And you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, you know, if you wanted like the, how I got into the film industry. Mm. So I was lucky enough to. I mean, it wasn't nepotism in a way, but my dad was quite high up in Tower Hamlets and in the council and obviously Tower Hamlets is most of East London give or take mm-hmm. and in every big council they have a film officer so whenever you want to film on a street or a location the location manager will go to the film officer for that council and request permission to do so and then they would explain what they're going to do. Mm. Now some of them will be for a Tesco's commercial or any other product that's just as simple but when I when my dad was there one of the location managers that came into Tower Hamlets said. um Right, we've got the script and it's definitely got been greenlit. We would like to film the opening title sequence for Bond, not you know, Bond film The World Is Not Enough, nice. where we have a speedboat chase <clears throat> all through the Thames that ends wow. up on top of the dome. Brilliant. But the most of the Thames, of that part where you can film in, is all in Tower Hamlets. And so the, lo- so the, so the film officer spoke to my dad, and my dad told me, Oh, the Bond film's going to do this. And my dad said, look, can, can my son come and meet the location manager and meet the film officer and come see what it's all about? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And I, I had a full-time job at this time, you know, so on my days off, I'd go meet him. And I think he was, you know, the location manager was a little bit like, oh, I better do this just to please the film office. Yeah. And I was like, well, look, I, I don't have, I, I don't work for the film office and I, I kind of... I I just would like to be involved with you. You can say no, I'm not going to, you know, I don't think it's going to make much difference to you, but I really want to be involved. I really, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to be in the film industry. I just left uni, I'd have got a full-time job. And he went, okay, why don't you come to a couple of location scouts with me and some meetings with me. And and then when the shoot happens, I will ask the AD department if you can come in for a day. I said, brilliant. I said, that's the door. That's the door. Yeah. So I went in for the day um, and I worked my socks off. And mm. I just did this and did that and I helped out and this that and, and then the other this, and then the AD said to me, Do you wanna come in for another day? I said, Yeah. Wanna come in for another day? I said, Yeah. and then eventually they went to me, Do you wanna come in and work? Don't get me paid. We could do with another runner assistant locations assistant runner A yeah. D just to help. I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd absolutely love to do that. So that was it. I went in and started, and there I am, all of a sudden, on a Bond film. I mean, you know, wow. the door, you know, so I was lucky, Did you know, how the door got to me. Yes, of course I was, you know. But I had to, you know, did they give you me a yeah, yeah, man, God, yeah. I had to work I, I, Number one, I didn't know London. We lived outside of London. So mm. I was going into, like, the, the world of East London back in 1999, thinking, what the hell is this going on? Mm. And it was in January. It was freezing, freezing cold. And, you know, and it was a seven, seven-week shoot. And then the third AD on the shoot knew a production assistant in another company and then that company was Joy Films and then they said we've got some commercials. Do you want to come and work on a commercial? We've been given your number from this this, this guy. He said you worked on the film with him and he said you were really good and that you really want to be in. And I said, I'd love to. He said, do you want to come in to work in the office for a couple of days? Amazing. I was like, all right. And then the production manager said to me at the end of the two days, she said, God, you must have been working in production offices for ages. You know, I, mean, I've come to, I said, first time I've ever been in a production office. And she was just gobsmacked that I didn't. I said, well, a bit of initiative, a little bit of, okay, working out, watching, yeah. learning, looking. Okay, they did that. Yeah, okay, they did that right. Okay, I'll have a crack at doing that. And then, and then I did the shoot. And then I had my full-time job. And then the production manager said, I've got an eight-day commercial. I've got four days one week, four days the next week, with maybe a couple of days in the office. And I had a full time job and the job for the commercial began on the Monday and I went in on the Friday and I just said, Ta-da! really, really sorry, I'm leaving. <laughs> okay. They were like, okay, we understand, you know, and what I'd been doing. Did they know you wanted to get in? Well, what I was doing on my, on my annual leave days off, because I could take whatever annual leave I wanted, you know, bearing in mind I wasn't going on three weeks holidays with two wives and three kids and all the rest of it. Yeah. I just took my annual leave as, that day. So I'm going to an annual leave tomorrow and i would go to do a shoot. Yeah. And i come back to work the next day. So I did that for a bit. But I ran out of annual leave. Eventually I was going to run out. But I kind of needed to make the jump. So she said, oh yeah, but let's go." Okay. I understand you need to leave. But you need to give us a like four weeks notice. said, so I've given you two days. I said, I'm not even due in on Sunday, but I'll come in because I'm just leaving you. And I went in for Saturday and Sunday, handed the keys and just said, thanks for everything. It's been amazing working here. Hmm. And then went to work on the Monday and I had eight days work. Eight days and people came to me, you've given up your job for eight days. And I'm like, absolutely i've given it yeah, up yeah. for eight days uh, this is and this is it i'm um, you know and then that led to that okay i didn't work you know like eight days the following or the week after. No. but you know i had a day and then another and then you know two days there, coming, and then yeah. phone, you know phones started to ring people started to take notice and, and you go right okay and then and then that's when i started to learn the things are you know who's working with who and when i went to the studios that's when i looked at the blackboard and thought oh look all those companies that are coming in right just ring them up and just say hi I'm Tony I'm a runner I'm just you know done this I've done that really well if you fancied um, you know let me come down meeting you guys and if you're happy and I'd really love to come and work with you guys. And then they'll go, oh, yeah, okay. And, I just, you know, and they say, oh, all right, brilliant. Yeah, why don't you come in for a day in the office? And see, like, we've got a little one-day shoot in a couple of weeks. And I thought, well, yeah, I know that. because it's, it's I've cool. seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> You're on stage five. See, You're <laughs> on stage <five>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, we're shooting at this studio called Black Island. Do you know? Oh, yeah, 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 I've been there a couple of times. You know, I get there, yeah, you've got a car. Yeah, you can drive, yeah. Brilliant, job done. In, bong, right, not next door, in. And then... You know, and it was, you, you sometimes have to make your own luck, but it was a case of, that's how I got in. I just, I just, you know, I went to work. On the door
1: slightly open and you took it.
2: Yeah, and prepared to work for free. You had to work for free. There was no pay. You know, you, your, your pay was the, was, was the privilege, as they used to say, mm. of you actually working on a film set. That's mm. your pay. Mm. And then when you're really good at that and we think that, then we'll actually give you some money for it. And then it was like, right, okay, that's, that's it. you see yeah, and well, they, it meant that they, it, they kind of it separated everybody. If you didn't, if you go, "Oh, I want to be paid," then it kind of it was their way of knowing you were. If you were prepared to work for free and be really good at it, that's how they knew you were okay to work in the industry. Mm. If you didn't go, "Oh, well, I want, I want to be paid for today," I'm not happy. But, well, I'm not being paid. Well, they go, "Well, all right." Here's hundred quid. Thanks very much. Enjoy. But that's it. You're yeah. you're gone. You're done. You know you you you. Whereas they go right, okay, I'll get you on the next one, and they'll go right, okay, and they'll get you on the next one. And say, well, actually, we've now got this like big six day job, and obviously we'd like to pay you full runners rate for that. And you go, all yeah, right, all right, you know, and um, you know, and it's not for everyone. I I was lucky, obviously, I had you know I could stay at my parents' house, and we had, you know I didn't have a rent to pay or things like that. And then eventually, as I got going, you know, it meant that I I you know you learn that I'm you know you learn that you're going to get work because obviously in the film industry. In commercials, especially, you can, you know, you might not be working next week or the week after. Mm. You don't really know, do you? You live live week by week, day by day. And Mm. and some people can't handle that. They like to know that on the 25th of every month, they're going to get a certain amount of money. It's going to arrive in their bank account, irrelevant of what they do. Mm. The film industry's not like that. So you just got to be prepared for that. And I was prepared for that. And it didn't really bother me. I was not really in it for the money. I just, you know, I I know, it's a bit of a cliche. And, you know, okay, you can say I was lucky, but that's. I was never. I never thought about the money. You yeah, know, I was then amazed about the money. But like, like I said, if you got in the industry just for the money, you're going to be miserable. Yeah, you can't wake up at five o'clock every morning just no. for a paycheck. No, you That's... can't. You gotta, you gotta do it because you love the people, the action, mm. who you work with, what you're going to do, and you know, you you've got to you've got to count your blessings. Sometimes we're lucky. You know, there's people that have to work, do jobs now. As you get older, you get a bit more understanding. But as you know, you think you know he he or she has to do that job because that's what's happened in their life mm. they've got to make their ends meet and that's why they're doing what they're doing you know I'm doing what I'm doing it doesn't please everybody but you know it, it pleases me because mm. I love what I do you know and so I think it was a case of as a runner I just said yeah, I just said yeah you just say yes you just say yes even for the really bad ones you just say yes and then you work it all out and as you say, I think it comes out in the washing in anyway, really. Yeah. It? You just, you just, you just, it, and it teaches you to work hard. And I think it teaches you a little bit of life discipline as well to work hard in other areas of your life. And it, you know, it makes you stronger as a person because, you know, like a one guy said to me, you know, he said, if I could give you anything from the industry, he said, just never let them get you down. Because if you did, it would get you down. And, 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 you know, and now actually in the future where we are now, you know, we're much more heading to a direction, which I hope where we're helping the people instead of saying, never let you get it down. Maybe say it's okay to be down. It's okay to yeah. be not very well or, you know, it's okay to be suffering and struggling. And instead of an industry saying you can't do that, we should be an industry saying you can do that. And do you know what? Because we pretty much did that for you. We're going to help you out and give you the support we, you need to get yourself back out of yeah. it. And I think that's exactly where the industry should be going because people give their lives mm. and sometimes they give so much that they lose themselves and they break themselves. And then there was this time where they would go, right, move on, next one, he's done, she's done, yeah. move on, next one, I'll have another one. Where, you know, because there were so many crew coming in, if you can't do it, someone else will do it. You can't do it, someone else could do it. You can't do it. Oh, you're broken now. Yeah, you're done now. We'll get the next person in. We'll break the next one and the next one. And then all of a sudden, there's people still knocking at the door going, oh, you all want to come in to be broken. I want to go, you know. Whereas I think, I'm hoping that the industry will go, right, okay, we've got really, really good crew in this country. We've got really good technicians. We've got great personalities. We've got a lot of people who put in a lot of effort. And I think really, instead of just pushing them aside and, breaking them down and getting rid of them or slowing them down and replacing them I think you'll find you'll get so much more if you just actually go do you know what we could do with a bit of help and a bit of understanding mm. like you know you would never you would never if you got out of a confirmation you know you would say well, oh he, he he was confirmed on a shoot but he rang me up and said we couldn't do it so I'll never use him again you know I think there just should be a level of like okay life happens and yeah. things go wrong you know we can't all live in this amazing bubble where nothing goes wrong and you should be able to go to the, you know, you know, I had to, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I can't do the shoot because I've hurt myself or my son's injured or my wife. I just, you know, but please don't think that I do not want to do your job. I really Mm. want to do your job. And trust me, it's breaking me more than it's breaking you. Mm. And they'll go, okay, don't worry. And I'll just see you on another one. You know, we'll help Mm. you because that will stop the anxieties and depressions Mm. because you think you're never going to get any work or to work with those people again. And, you know, if you're going to get a happier crew in a happier place, and a happier place to work, you'll get much more productivity out of the people. Mm. And and I think the industry really needs to kind of give that bit back because it's a slightly a little bit of the race to the bottom with all the hours and the times. And obviously, I know there's cost implications and there's people sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I know, we, we wish we could do an advert in 10 hours and we'll be home by 8 o'clock. You know, that's, you know, and I'm one of them. And obviously... Some of the time it 's not possible, and obviously some people are giving people more than they deserve or more than the money that they 're providing and I think that 's a bit of a shame, but I can understand why they 're doing it because the directors want to direct mm. the production companies want to produce yeah. you know they don 't just want to be sitting in there pitching and pitching and pitching and getting nothing. you know directors when I first started were directing perhaps on an average of maybe. 50, 60, 40, 50 days a year. Wow. Now, two jobs, two, maybe yeah. three. And if they're one days or two days, out of all that 365 days a year, they may have spent less than 10 on a set. Hmm. They might be a bit better and get up to 20, but they're certainly not what we were doing when we started, when you'd work with the same director who'd do 40 jobs a year. Yeah. You know, you know, that's those days are gone because there's so many directors. Hmm. So they want to direct, they don't want to go home. Why would I want to go home? You know, and especially when. Obviously, directors from different countries come over, which is great, and they bring a sort of certain vibe to the set. And it's like, yeah, he's cool, she's cool, look at that, and she's from LA or she's from New York or they're from Japan or Australia or whatever, you know. And it's great, but then they go, oh, they're away from their families and their friends and Mm. stuff like that. And so they go, well, I don't want to go and sit in my hotel room. You know, I want to be on set. So can we shoot till (laughs) eleven and then? I'll go home and come back and be here for 6, 7 tomorrow morning and shoot to 11 again and then I'll get on my plane two days later and I'll go home. And you're realising that, well, that's all very well for you, but the, the crew that live here, wouldn't mind going home at... It's tough. tough. Yeah, tough. Yeah, wouldn't, it's mind tough. Go, yeah, wouldn't mind going home at 9 or, or 8 or 7, you know, like you've asked for. Because mm. bearing in mind when I started that the shooting day was eight hours. You know, that was when I first started. It was an eight-hour day. And, you know, a lot of producers think... Realised and found it difficult for directors to get their jobs done in a day, which is fine. I understood that. It's hard to move twenty thousand sheep in one corner. It takes a long time to move things, you mm. know. So you have more days. We can't afford more days, but we can, you know. So we'll have more hours in your day. So we, can we please have ten hours of your day and one hour for your lunch? And so we will always be on set for you know at work for eleven hours. And you go, okay, all right. That's what you want. We'll we'll say to that. Well, it was more of a case. Well, if you don't say yes, we're just going to go and film abroad, and we'll just go and get filming other countries where yeah. there's relaxed working mm. conditions mm. and so we went yeah 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 we'll do what you say we'll do what you say and it was fine because he obviously kept the industry going over here and and now you know we're at a stage where well, we gave you 11 hours and, but now really you actually want 14 and, you know well it's getting tougher it, it's getting tougher yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know they want more you want more you want more it's like well I understand that the, the the financial implications of a one day shoot versus a two day shoot. You know, I started off in production. I've got some of my closest friends in the industry are producers and production managers. I understand how budgets work. I understand the pay structure of commercials. Mm. And until that kind of gets really evaluated, things aren't really going to change. You know, everybody, of course, a producer. I hope a producer would want to shoot two days instead of one, mainly for the safety of the fact they don't want the crew on a Tuesday going, well, it's a seven o'clock start. We are scheduled to wrap at midnight if we get absolutely everything on time. Well, that's never going to happen. No. So, okay, so we might be till one or two in the morning before it becomes cheaper or more expensive to be a two-day shoot. Oh, okay, so you work till 11, 12 at night, but you've got to shoot the next day for another production company who want bright-eyed, bushy Tony Crouch to come in and, be ready to shoot and turn over by 8.30 all systems going let's go let's go let's go mm. well I've had like four hours sleep yeah. and, like, you know, and so, you know, so you know you speak to the oh, yeah I did get out till 11 time I packed up the truck oh, yeah our department yeah by the time we finished dressing the set that was 11 you know, and you think you know it's, it's 24 hours in this day mm. I swear to God they want 48 hours in the day you know 24 mm. of them to rest 24 of them to work but that's what I mean about but you the new people coming in into the industry. Just be prepared that at the moment. While we're working like this, while the industry's in this phase, that's what it's taking. Hmm. And until people decide for it to change or improve or do what they want to do to make it better or, or, work, or, or whatever they want to do to try and make the conditions or the hours not as long... Then we're going to be in that phase. Now some jobs are going to finish in ten hours. Great, yeah, because there's not that many shots. Or, yeah. but sometimes they want sixty shots in a day. You know, and it's like, well, it's, well, they say, oh, we, we need twenty-four shots, and you go, okay, it's an hour per shot. Well, oh, that's three or four hours then. Yeah, but we need to do it in twelve. So it's not. It's half an hour per shot. That's 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 actually technically impossible. Yeah, no, but we can make it happen. And we go, well. Then you can make it happen, but then you have to start asking yourself about the quality versus the quantity. Mm. So you can have 30 really bad shots that you just rushed.
1: Instead of 15 good ones. Instead
2: of 15 really good ones where you've nailed the performance where the actors have given a bit of breathing space. The director's given time to think about what he wants. The DOPs have better time to light. The art director's had much more time to dress the set and get everything exactly as you wanted. Costumes had more time to get costume the way they wanted it. Makeup's Mm. got ready because they're done. The camera department have got all their lenses ready and ready to go because they're good to go. You know, the grips are all laid out. The track's laid out. You you just think, you know, it it, it multiplies. that Everybody's much in a much better place to be. I haven't got time to do that. I have got time to do that, which is fine. You know, that's exactly what happens. Mm. But I just think it's uh, a case of, you know, there's there's got to be some happy mediums. Yeah. I th- I it's think. coming. It's coming. I think so. I think so. Because, you know, younger crew, younger clients, younger people, you know, they might go, you know, I don't want to work that way anymore. Like they didn't want to work with the, the, you know, the torrent in directors who were shouting and screaming. I don't know what that so I'm not a yeah. of them. Are you sure he's a brilliant director? Yeah, he might be brilliant, but I'm not sitting there listening to that all day. Yeah. You know, oh, let's get another guy who's just as good. Maybe he's been given a chance and he's really nice, or another girl that's really nice. And she's brilliant. She's directs you know, she can direct this female in a nicer way than this male can direct mm. you know it's a baby food commercial why don't we get a, a really nice nurturing mum that's you know that's shooting those babies rather mm. than this guy that's been directing for 20 years that's just going to shout because the baby's not doing what he's doing you know mm. it's that. so I think I think the good thing is you anyone will tell you to survive you adapt mm. that's who survives you adapt you, so you adapt to the hours you adapt to the way things work you adapt and you move on and there's no point man, about how good it was five years ago 'Cause uh, ten years. Ago. Done. It's done. And you know what? It's never gonna be that way again. Yeah. You know, the you know, the eighties of the commercial industry pretty much spent all the money for the next thirty years. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 uh, it's all spent. Well, it's all spent. Don't they spent it in nineteen eighty seven, maybe. You know, when the directors and the client were going out for champagne breakfast and living mm. the life and flying out to LA just to go for a business meeting when the shoot was in Slough, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but, you know, I think it's um I think you'll find it will just, it, it just move and I think people that are coming in need to be prepared that's what I'd say nice so
1: getting close yeah. to the end so what I'd love to do is just get you, any chance any people projects you want to give a shout out to anything you want to just pick up
2: <coughs> yeah I mean I think there's a, there's a charity at the moment called the film and tv charity dot org dot uk that I did a little shoot for um, that even you know a, a even The Cure sort of lent their music to so they could do it. And, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a little charity that seems to be looking at the idea that the freelancers just right now are, are different types of people than they were maybe 30 years ago and that they want a bit more of their own life and they want a bit of stability and they want some help if they're struggling and it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to say my life is suffering because of the job but I don't want to give up my job I don't want to lose my job I Mm. love my job but please just maybe help me out a little bit here and what can I do to make my you know maybe try this maybe try that I've been you know you, you, you run yourself into the ground you know burnout is very very common in the industry you know and I've suffered definitely from that but I would say that, you know, if, if we can sort of help these people get up and try and get the stigma gone and get people to help each other. And I think the younger generation are much more open to helping each other and talking about it, talking about stuff, getting things out in the open. Yeah. You know, bad things have happened to people and good things have happened to people. So it's great to be talking about the good things. So this is amazing. You've done that. And we Instagram that, that and that. And we Facebook that, that and that. And you can say, look, do you know what it's a bad thing because my son or my daughter or my wife or my husband, I missed the last this and that and that and that, and now mm-hmm. they've decided they don't want me part of my life. And it's like How can you get in contact with them? How can well you can go you can go to the sort of film and TV charity yep. go on their website, go yep. on their Facebook page, like their page, they put up little bits and snippets and articles, mm-hmm. just read about them, see what can they're doing. Can you about. find them? Can you, can you talk can to them? Is there people they've got to people speak to, help to? to help them? Yeah. Great. You know, they will might put you in touch with other crew members who were who have gone we, through something yeah, similar yeah. or and going through you know, something. Six months ago, they're where you are now, yeah. And now they're just going cool. on to film and they're going. Look, do really. you know what? We can help, and I think that would be a good thing. You know that we can definitely. And start working with that. I think also we... Even if you don't have a... Eat, just
1: go on. Just, just like the page. On, just get, the page get, it get it out. Put it around. Let people know. Because you never know. It's, you know, when we turn up on set and everyone is smiling, yeah. happy-go-lucky,
2: actually deep down. For it. some, there might be some yeah. something going on. I think the. I think there needs to be a lot more liaisons with crew with the APA. Mm-hmm. That would be a good thing. I think in the future, the APA, who obviously run the Producers Alliance for, the, for commercials, and as crew members, I think we need to be much more in touch with those people mm-hmm. so they can put out what they want and what producers want mm-hmm. and then the crew members can go well we love all that but this is what we could quite like is there any way we can compromise and we can work towards a start conversations that? yeah yeah why not because do you know what it it will it might stop It'd benefit everyone the, yeah but yeah exactly and and the last thing that we don't want is a is not to have mm. a film industry in the UK yeah we want people to be filming their commercials here. Mm. We want people to use the London studios here. We want them to use the London crew, the UK crew. We want mm. them to use them here. That's the idea. Yeah. So, i am seen that. Yeah, that's, that's my that's my Thanks, answer. man. Yeah. Oh, uh, amazing.
1: All right, well, look, we've got loads. Loads. Mm. Yeah, man. All right. That's right. I can talk for like. <laughs> <made> <laughs> yeah, as everybody we knows, could this, <laughs> we could do this for another three hours. Um, but I'm. Um, I'll, we'll wrap it up no. I think leaving it on that note the film and tv charity dot yeah, org dot go on check it out like the Facebook page share it amongst your friends share amongst your family because yes. you never know who's going through what um, so I just want to say a massive massive thank you TC that's right a Tony Minogue um, I guess for the film students and all the rest of it go to the timescheduler timescheduler.com podcast will be on there loads more stuff will be on there if you've got any questions let me know um hopefully you have had as enjoyable time listening as I have had <laughs> making this good TC um and until the next time that is a wrap so that was a chat with the king or queen in the game i give it a shout at the end so you all know the name Mr. the film gods podcast So what the film God
0: Podcast. For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond from their important work on mental health which led to the creation of the whole picture program and their help for crew being affected by covid-19 if you a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry needs help or someone to talk to please go to filmtvcharity.org.uk